Okay, <clears throat> we are recording. So, like I said, I thought today we could talk a little bit about Catalyst and um, and the way that the law form describes it so we can get a better understanding of what's going on both personally and politically and just globally. So let me go. I typed in law one. I'm sorry, I typed in Catalyst in the law one. And of course, I get 189 results. So cannot get to get through all of them. But at least going through a few of them, I think we can kind of get a better idea of um, the, how Raw thinks about Catalyst. So we can maybe handle them better, respond better, so on and so forth. So. Okay. Sorry guys, it cut me out for a second. Um, I'm gonna copy and paste this. We're gonna go over is session 93, question 12. Okay, so Question 93, session, I'm sorry, section 12. When then presently we receive catalysts of the mind as we are aware of Ross communication and we receive catalyst of the body as our body senses all of the inputs of the body, as I understand it. But could Ra then describe catalyst of the spirit? And are we at this time receiving that catalyst too? And if not, could Ra give an example of that? So it's interesting. So um, what I found is they perceive, you know, mind, body, and spirit. They are separate, but they are intertwined. But there's different catalysts for each thing. So there's a catalyst for the body. There's a catalyst for the mind. And there's a catalyst for the spirit. So, uh, so Ra answers. Catalyst being processed by the body is a catalyst for the body. Okay, catalyst being processed by the mind is a catalyst for the mind. Catalyst being processed by the spirit is a catalyst for the spirit. An individual mind-body-spirit complex may use any catalyst which comes before its notice, be it through the body and its senses or through uh, mentation or through any other more highly developed source and use this catalyst in its unique way to form an experience unique to it with its own biases. So an individual may use any catalyst which comes before its notice. So uh, well stopping a attempted murder is a pretty good catalyst for me but I didn't have to do that like I didn't have to act on it I couldn't have done nothing so um just for another example you can use um somebody yelling at you as a catalyst on growth and learning the appropriate response for your environment or not responding at all in your mind you can um you can use each moment as a catalyst so walking across your living room you can use that as a catalyst if you perceive it as a catalyst then you can um uh, you can use it for growth so um you see and be through its body and the senses 
or through um, uh, other means with biases, means that all with all its distortions. Yeah, our biases are our distortions. Absolutely. Yeah, on how we perceive things. So because each person's um, each person's experience on this planet is completely different. I probably don't perceive the world the same way as Margie or Storm or Sisu or, or Tiff does. You know, I it, it, we all perceive things. We all have our own distortions. We all have our own belief systems. So I grew up in a Christian Baptist home and Margie grew up in Catholicism, I think. Um Somebody else might have grown up in an agnostic home in that. So we're going to we're going to perceive whatever information we are gathering from our environment through our own distortion. So in my opinion, they'll all, you know, pass leave to the same source. So it doesn't matter how we get there or which way we choose to get there. It's just that we get there. So um, there's a couple couple other ones that were pretty good. Bear with me. I'm going to go copy and paste. Okay. All right. So this one, next one. Actually, I'm going to post two here. They're in the same session. So. Copy. and paste okay so session 93 question 11. Uh, i would like an example of the activity we call catalyst of the mind and a particular individual undergrowing this process could you give an example of that um so the answer all that assaults your senses is a catalyst okay we in speaking to this support group through this instrument offer catalyst so even so Rob would consider even channeling them, it can be a catalyst or somebody else channeling another group can be used as a catalyst. Um, this con the configurations of each group in the, I'm sorry, the configurations of each in the group of body offer catalyst through comfort and discomfort. So pain can be a catalyst, either emotionally, physically, or mentally. Uh, in fact, all that is unprocessed that has come before the notice of a mind-body-spirit complex is a catalyst. So our traumas are a catalyst. So uh, to me, um, trauma is definitely a catalyst to learn and to uh, learn and let go, um, and forgiveness and um, compassion and empathy, those type of things. Um, so then they ask. Uh, when the catalyst of the mind is processed by the entity, the experience of the mind results. Is this correct? There are subtle misdirections in this simple state having to do with the overriding qualities of the significator. And the significator um, uh, would be, I, I believe, an archetype of the mind. So it is so that catalyst yields experience. However, through free will and the faculty of imperfect memory catalyst is most often only partially used in the experience, thus correspondingly skewed. So 
we might not be remembering our traumas correctly, I guess, or whatever catalyst this is. It doesn't have to be trauma specifically, I guess. Um, that's just an example that I used, but we might not be remembering everything completely correct. So, um, I mean, I, if you look at back, I'm just going to give an example of eight years old. Maybe there was a trauma there. Um, and you look at it now, you may not remember 100% exactly what happened. It may be worse or it may be better than you made it or however. So we have to take that into consideration. So, um, all right, heck, I might not be remembering correctly what happened yesterday in my mind. So I might have perceived it in a completely different way um, than maybe I should have. And we all we all have to understand this is that, you know, we perceive things through our distortions and sometimes our distortions are ran off of our emotions. Our distortions are ran off of past traumas. Our distortions ran off of um, you know, things that we think we know when we may not know, you know. Um, so we do have to take that into consideration with each catalyst that we may not know everything. Um, we probably don't know everything. Um, so let's go to the next one. Okay. All right. So the next one uh, I found interesting was session. Okay, could you give me an example of how an entity sets up a condition for retracting a particular experiential catalyst and how that catalyst then is provided or is learned? So it, it kind of uh, assumes that we, we actually attract these catalysts. So, uh, so maybe a higher self says, you're, you know, this particular person uh, is ready for growth. Well, growth doesn't happen without a specific catalyst. So, um, and maybe the catalyst has to be, um, the quality of the catalyst has to meet the quality of the growth that is wanted, perhaps. So, um, raw answers. Um, then prior to the veiling process, that which we call catalyst after the veiling was not catalyst, simply because it was not efficiently creating polarity. Because this loading process, you might say, uh, that I have diagrammed of catalyst passing through the veil and becoming a polarized experience. So without these catalysts and the veiling process, we don't necessarily polarize the way that we should and by polarizing I mean I which I mean we can go into that on in a completely different discussion but polarizing is is choosing your your service I believe so um you know we would want to polarize towards serving others and um learning forgiveness and that type of thing or uh healing our our traumas and our wounds and that <clears throat> Um, and becoming a polarized experience was not in effect because of the viewing of what we call catalyst by an entity was seen much more clearly as simply an ex
experience of one creator and not some that was a function of other. Okay, um, let's see much more clearly as simply as experience of the one creator and not something Yeah, I did lose audio. They, yeah, this is another catalyst for me right now. It keeps uh, <laughs> keeps cutting out on me. Um, but anyway, uh, did you guys hear the last of that, or do I need to um, go ahead and repeat that? Answer me that. Oh, and I realized I didn't uh, copy and paste the the answer that Raw had given. Catalyst audio, right? Yes, I can repeat. Um, so I would, I think you might have heard everything except the part where I said um, um, before the veil, um, the the experience was more simply seen as an experience of the one creator, and not something that was a function of other mind body spirit complexes. They asked Ra to comment on that, and Ra says the concepts discussed seem without significant distortion, so they agree with it. So before the bailing process, I don't, you know, it was all, we were already in one with everything, which is our goal here. And, you know, there really wasn't too much learning involved. Uh, we do need a little bit of pushback. Um, and resistance to uh, be able to grow in a way that's more appropriate and uh, become more of our higher selves. So, yeah. 9422. Yeah, very complex. So, and they were really talking about before the veiling versus after the veiling. They found the veil to be appropriate because then we had something to work for. <laughs> Um, and I think this whole catalyst and globally is, um, well, for one, we're, we're so divided right now on a global level, locally and globally. It's, it's just insane what's going on. But this is a catalyst. So, and the catalyst would be eventually we might have to, um, which is fine with me, we all just have to band together at some point and realize that we've all just been these um <clears throat> Um, what's the word for? Um, we've all been duped, basically. Uh, and the real enemy isn't each other. It's the ones who are dividing and trying to conquer us. So we all have to hold hands and put, put our, uh, dis our differences aside and our frustration against the ones who have decided that they wish to divide and conquer so in creating this so uh catalyst is always welcome there but maybe the, the catalyst is to get us to stand up so we can look at it that way for sure so just so much okay so this <coughs> excuse me this next one they talk about the veil a little bit Oh, I did find it interesting, too, that they were saying that the catalyst comes through the veil. So on the other side of our veil um, is, is I would 
consider our higher selves. So uh, higher selves kind of lives in a place where resides in a place there there is no veil um and they're kind of able to kind of see all possibilities and possibly offer the choice um to take on this catalyst or respond and which is why we need to be more in touch with our higher selves absolutely and in order to be in touch more with our higher selves we need to heal our traumas we need to raise our vibration we need have the, some sort of discipline in the mind to control our, our emotions and not let our distortions and our um, uh, emotional, physical, mental traumas answer for us. So uh, respond for us or react for us. Okay, so session 93. Bring uh, if the transparency of the garment. Okay, I was wondering if the transparency of the garment on the third card, which I believe this is the place of where we're talking about the uh, tarot cards, um, uh, indicates the semi-permeable nature of the veil between conscious and subconscious. Uh, Ra says this is a very thoughtful perception and cannot be said to be incorrect. However, the intended suggestion in general is an echo of our earlier suggestion that the nature of the catalyst is that of the unconscious. That is, the outward catalyst comes through the veil. All that you perceive seems to be consciously perceived. This is not the correct uh, uh, suppose. All that you perceive is perceived as catalyst unconsciously by the, shall we say, time that the mind begins its appreciation of the catalyst. That catalyst has been filtered through the veil and in some cases much is veiled in the most apparently clear perception. There's so much extra language in there, I feel like. So it was kind of hard. It's kind of hard for me to pick apart. Um, I mean, every one of you can go through and, you know, uh, perceive this in your own way. But uh, basically, outward catalyst comes through the veil is kind of what stuck up for me. Um, so everything is a catalyst, basically. Um, and all that you perceive is perceived as catalyst unconsciously. So when we recognize the catalyst in front of us, then we can kind of take appreciation for it. Even though, you know, my catalyst here in the last couple of days was absolutely ridiculous, but um, I do have appreciation for it because I learned a lot of things. I learned a lot of things like I do have my power back, apparently. Um, and I overpowered, uh, well, I can't say I overpowered, um, but I took charge in a situation where nobody else wanted to take charge. And that's fine. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm fine with that. And now I know that I can do that. So, and you all can too, uh, when you see something isn't right. And uh, not to get too much off subject, but my, my own mom was telling me, you know, she's like, she's telling me an experience she had about 
she had a gut feeling about something before where she worked on, um, you know, one of the other people that were doing not so very nice things. And she just had this gut feeling and she finally ended up saying something. But she told the supervisor that she was so worried to say anything because she was scared of uh, retaliation, you know. And um, the supervisor actually responded pretty well, in my opinion, and said, you can't worry about that. If you have a gut feeling about something, truly and it's irking you then you need to do something about it you can't worry about uh little babies throwing up basically is what the supervisor said so uh, my mother was right in the end of course uh, but and i said ma'am you're right you know all of this was a, a gut feeling uh on my part as well and i imagine you too you guys as well have examples of that in your own life on when you actually chose to listen to your intuition and then things ended up being correct. So the question is, are you willing to stand up and do any, anything about it? Or are you too scared that they're gonna fight back? And we have to get over that because that fear is what's stopping us. That fear is what is stopping. Does it need to be done in the appropriate manner? Probably, absolutely. Uh, calming of the mind, no reaction, no, re no response if needed. Uh, or sometimes may maybe you do need to take charge in a particular situation. To your higher self, and I can tell you, um, and I can tell you that entire time I was going through that particular catalyst, I was still conscious in the fact that I was asking for direction in the moment from my higher self on what I should be doing. And if my higher self said to step right, then I stepped right, you know. Um, and that is something that I can say has never happened before. Or staying in the moment during an intense confrontation or otherwise, uh, normally I am, um, and I, for all of you too as well. So um, normally I'm quick to react or quick to respond, not thinking those kind of things but i was able to stay calm and focused and listen for direction from my gut um and and things got done so uh sisu asked in the times of my aikido training it was important to understand that nothing works without taking the body with you and carrying out the movement of the body nothing can be learned just uh with and reading about mend your body is a a uh, big catalyst meant your body is a big catalyst okay yeah i agree 100 percent when i shared something yesterday about how uh you're you're not really your body you're you're your consciousness and you're inside of a skeleton if you i'm like actually that's right. So like a whole new level of awakening, you know, you understanding that you're not your body. You are the consciousness inside of your body. You are surrounded by a skeleton and meat armor. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, uh, 444. Thank you. The last few years has frozen my little body a bit, I think. Yeah. And I had my body was frozen, too. Um, and I know at Storm, too, and, and Margie as well. 
Um, it's interesting, isn't it? And I, I uh, we're all, and I know that we have extra time on the two because of uh, you know the whole COVID thing that they've done. So we have to process that as well. Um, it's just, there is a lot to overcome here. There really is. Not only do we have all of that from the last couple of years, but we also have other personal and uh, political things that we have to uh, work through and understand things on a deeper level. So uh, I agree with Corey, what he said the other day. We, we do have a tall order ahead of us. And it starts with us. It starts with ourselves. Uh, if we want the world to change, then we have to be that change. Right. I am not my body. And I'm guilty of that, too. You know, I uh, uh, I spent quite a few months just not being able to do a whole lot of anything. I had a broken back. And then uh, finally, I I did a lot of meditation, like a lot of meditation. I learned how to heal myself. Eventually started moving around again um and had to understand that uh my own consciousness had to take control over my body not let my body control me so um margie says i know i'm going through a catalyst through physical pain but it is lowering my vibration and i 100 percent understand yeah i understand so as a catalyst of the body so um you know we can talk to ourselves too i mean we can talk to ourselves like we talk to uh animals and cells i mean uh, c-e-l-l-s so we have trillions of cells in our body that respond to uh vibration and sound and that well what are our thoughts and what are our voice our voice is uh vibration and sound uh our thoughts are vibration so our thoughts are frequency and our cells respond to those things uh, if, if we talk to ourselves like we would talk to other people, then I think that we might have um, some improvements there for sure. We talk to ourselves like, uh, you know, force, you know what, sometimes, and I'm guilty of that. So we all have automatic thoughts. and It takes a lot of retraining in the brain. When I took, um, I do a minor in psychology, and I, I remember a lot from the training. But... <laughs> as far as uh, self-psychology and it's almost like a retraining of the brain we have these automatic thoughts that just come in immediately like say you drop something on the floor and then of course the first thing that would come into your mind would be like oh my gosh you idiot or oh my gosh you clutch or something like that we're all guilty of that well what does that do to our body then our body thinks that it's an idiot and our body thinks it's a klutz so then it's going to portray that behavior and then further the behavior on. So um, the trick is you have to catch yourself doing it. You have to recognize that you've done that. So as soon as you say, oh, you're an idiot, then you have to say, why? OK, I recognize that I just called myself an idiot. So what would be the more appropriate response? I should say something like, oh, that's OK. Um, these things happen no biggie you know and then the next time you probably well if you do that enough times eventually you catching on to yourself doing those automatic thoughts was going to be easier and easier and then uh, eventually you might have just trained your automatic thought to be oh well 
these things happen. <laughs> so uh, it starts with ourselves. Um, yeah, talking to cells, meditations, binaural beats, looking for traumas, forgiveness. Yes, hi Romeo. Um, our inner Tourette's and our monkey mind. Yeah, yeah, we do have inner Tourette's. That's a good way to put it. Um, Tourette's, not Tourette's, well, yeah, I'm not either on that, but that is a good way to put it. Inner Tourette's. And you know what? You can even use that after you recognize yourself doing it. You should be like, ah, my inner Tourette's is added again. And make it make a, a comedic relief out of it. So uh, something like that. I think comedy is very, very healing. You can you can do that. So <laughs> inner Tourette's. Uh, and and we do it to others too. I mean, I see it uh, very often. You know, somebody will do something, and then somebody else goes, "Stop, you idiot!" or something like that. And you, like, I see that it's their inner traumas that are causing them to do that because it, that is their outer traumas. <laughs> you know, their outer traumas because they had to learn that somewhere. So we can have empathy on that area where we can see that they're doing that because they have traumas themselves there is not a single being on this planet that does not have trauma and we we um it's a very good idea for us to start recognizing that where we can understand that most people are reacting from traumas that happened 5 10 20 30 years ago and they're not responding in the current moment uh the responding from 10 20 30 years ago so we can kind of get a better take on our environment and understand what is really happening so um when somebody's acting out like that maybe we should go up and give them a hug and tell them we love them and that it's okay maybe that's what they need i mean i don't know when's the last time they've been hooked when's the last time they've had somebody say i love you when is the last time that they've had somebody actually say it's okay because they're looking for a fight so if you give them a fight then it's just going to keep keep the pattern up so instead of maybe giving them a fight we should say uh we can say something like i love you <laughs> that doesn't give them what they want that doesn't um feed your ego that doesn't feed into the negativity that doesn't feed into anything so uh storm says i'm completely sane just have an inner comedy show going on well why not why can't we have an inner comedy show going on i've got one going on all day <laughs> why not <laughs> And we can take the negative and send it into something comedic or positive. I think we're doing a pretty darn good job. So, <laughs> all right, let me copy this next one here. All right, so uh, session 54. Question 24. 
The purpose then seen from previous to incarnation of what we call the incarnate physical state seems to be wally or almost or holy, I'm sorry, holy, that of experiencing at that point the program uh, catalyst and then evolving as a function of that catalyst. <laughs> Is this correct? Kind of worded a little bit um, differently, but. Um, so what it's saying is the experience of the catalyst and pushes it forward into the purpose of why that catalyst had to happen. Uh, so Ra is restating this for clarity. The purpose of incarnative existence is evolution of the mind, body, and spirit. In order to do this, it is not strictly necessary to have catalyst. However, Without it, without the catalyst, the desire to evolve and the faith in the process do not normally manifest. And then evolution occurs not. So we need these things um, to grow. We don't have to have them, but we're not going to grow very well spiritually and mentally if, if we do not have these certain catalysts. Therefore, catalyst is programmed. And the program is designed for the mind-body-spirit complex for its unique uh, requirements. Thus, it is desirable that a mind-body-spirit complex be aware of and hearken to the voice of its experiential catalyst, gleaning from it, which it incarnated to glean. So, you know what? I'm going to get a precise definition on that word. Define glean so that we can have a, a better understanding. Extract from various sources, collect gradually and bit by bit, gather. Uh, gather after a harvest. Okay. So let me copy that. Copy. I guess Borles, rich kid, speaking without the veil and the catalyst. Yes, exactly, Storm. What about the list? <laughs> um, so anyway, that word glean means to gather after a harvest. So um gathering from it that which it incarnated to gather so to understand basically to gather things um so it's it's important for us to know what a catalyst is i think is what it's saying is that in each experience we can um reach out or a catalyst and take the catalyst head on and i and then there's another part in here um i think we've been over it before but they talk about once you get to a certain level on balancing the indigo ray i think it is uh maybe i'm or the it's either green or indigo that you balance to a certain level and then the catalyst actually 
takes on like a whole nother form in which um, one can actually be excited about things that you would think of as negative. And I think that what they are saying is we should be excited uh, or it's recommended that we are excited about the catalyst because without these catalysts, we're going to be stuck um, basically and we're not going to grow. So we can be excited about, you know, um, interrupting an attempted murder <laughs> and those types of things. So, which is what I gather from uh, look at your superhero movies. I mean, they don't turn down a battle if it's for, if they're fighting for what they believe in. They don't turn down a battle. In fact, they're pretty darn excited about it. So, uh-huh. dad joke. Yeah, that was a dad joke. <laughs> so, Storm says, uh, with a complete safety and security and absolute knowledge of oneness, there is little room for growth. Sure. Like a child growing up as a billionaire's child, no personal growth is it is all handed down to them because they have they don't know how to work for things. They really don't. Um, you know, I grew up, we weren't poor, but we weren't rich either. But we still were, were responsible for working and we were shown how to work for things. So um, uh, my parents taught, they had two, they only had two girls, but they sure taught us girls how to be independent and not rely on anybody else. So, um, yeah, which is, it's going to be interesting, this transition, because I see what they mean by, you know, if we just all have the experience as the one creator, then we're, we're, we're not, we're not going to evolve. We're not going to evolve in the appropriate way, I guess, or fast enough or however you want to define it. But when we do reach a certain level of force density, you know, we are going to experience a certain level of oneness. So I'm not exactly sure on the perception of all that once we do get to a certain level of the next density. So there's still negative. Uh, we know that, and there's still connotations and things going on, but perhaps it's the way that we perceive them that will be different. We still need the negative. We still need them because they do give us the catalyst for personal growth and for collective growth. So maybe they're just perceived, you know, in a completely different way. I mean, I, I know we went over one day on the different uh, war themes and the upper densities, if you want to call it that, or learning, they call it learning. Um, so there is still all that going on. Uh, we just, it's on a different level of understanding on things. So, um, like I said, the superheroes never turn down a fight if it's for the greater good. They actually get excited about it. Okay. Let me go back to here. I'll go to the next one. Okay. 54. Okay. Session 54, 28. Um, does experiential catalyst follow the same path? Um, and it, they kind of go over it in the answer a little bit because I'm not sure what they were referring to is the same path. 
Um, Ross says, not a pointless question. For catalyst and the requirements or distortions of the energy centers are two concepts linked as tightly as two strands of rope. So catalyst and our distortions are hand in hand, and they are very much linked is what I gather from them. Um, we need both of them. We need our distortions and we need our catalyst. So, and I believe our catalyst is a way to understand our own distortions on uh, a personal and a collective level. Uh, and it's quite interesting because they do ask about cancer being a, a catalyst. So uh, the next one being session 46, uh, question 14. Then cancer is a training catalyst operating for both polarities in approximately the same way, but attempting to create a polarization in both directions, positive and negative, depending on the orientation of the entity experiencing the catalyst. Is this correct? Um, Ross says this is incorrect and that catalyst is unconscious and does not work with intelligence, but rather is part of the mechanism of learning teaching set up by the sub logos before the beginning of your space time. They say elsewhere. Depression of anger. Okay, I'm back. So as I was saying, it says elsewhere that uh, cancer is actually an, um, uh, a result of anger being suppressed inside the body and that. So, uh, but it's interesting how they're talking about an entity trying to create both polarizations, the positive and negative. So that's interesting. Okay, Sisu says, thinking about being catalyst and why do impasse collecting all energies? It's hard to realize, not to lose ourselves. I, I recognize and realize the work on ourselves is really important to lose all the dramas. Yeah, and I, I feel you there, uh, you know, being an empath, you do collect all the energies. So, but it's important for us to also learn how to kind of push out our own energy, our own vibration, especially coming from a, a frequency of love or forgiveness or understanding those types of things. And we, I mean, we can pick up on somebody else's energy, but we are allowed to have the choice to take those in or not. Or you can take them in and learn how to transmute them. And I think that's the, uh, the way of the guru is what they call it. You can take in somebody else's injuries or traumas um, and then transmute them. Um, and I think uh, uh, Margie, the gentleman that you speak about, uh, does that too. He, he spends a couple of days out with the public and then he kind of disappears on his own time for a couple of days uh, because it's very hard on him and he's gathered all this energy in that. So he meditates and transmutes for a few days and then comes back and then so on and so forth. So. Uh, Storm says, "Band." Um, as I was saying, so that is an emotional learning process too for impasse's boundaries. So 
uh, and you know, empaths attract narcissists because uh, the empath collects all this energy. Well, it's not really if if it's our free will if we want to take that in or not. So that we have to realize that our free will involves other people's energies. We do not have to take that on if we do not wish. If we choose to, then that's on us. So, uh, and we can choose to transmute it for them, or we can hold on to that and make it our own energy. So, our goal would be. Um, pushing at our own vibration and have boundaries, emotional boundaries, mental boundaries, physical boundaries, telling somebody, you know, hey, that's, I don't particularly care for that. You know, this is my space um, and you should respect that. You know, this that's just the bottom line and that's a boundary. But the trick then is to keep up that boundary. So many times do we put up a boundary and then somebody breaks it and we don't say anything. Well, they're going to continue to break that boundary if you allow them to. So it's a never ending battle there sometimes. So, but we have to keep that strength. Our strength comes from our, us knowing that that is our free will and we are, um, we have a right to that free will. Um, Sisu says at times I have really problems with that. Must work on this. Well, me too. I've still got boundaries I'm working on. It's hard these times to see if it's mine or not. Yeah, it sometimes it is, honey. Uh, the more clear we become internally and raise our vibration, it becomes much easier to discern. I absolutely agree. Frank Kelly, thank you. I couldn't think of his name for a moment. Uh, Frank Kelly. We stop being juicy targets when we return to sender. Yep, we sure do. Uh, empaths are a juicy target because they, a lot of times, they allow it to happen. So, um, I say they, I really mean we. I've seen it many times in my own life i'm like man i really just didn't put up much of boundaries did i you know and i have to work on that it's an everyday thing so we need that spiritual strength yeah return to sunder <laughs> okay um this is one that i shared um last night to both the S the fans of SBA and in here. Okay, it talks about being harvestable entities. So um laughing at you guys, sorry. Uh, session 54, question 18, uh, which entities incarnate at this time on this planet um, would be of that category manufacturing all of their catalysts? So uh, they are uh, manifesting, their own, uh, maybe consciously manifesting their own catalysts. So and this is channeled in the 80s, mind you. So you're talking this is 1981, 1982, but which is what they mean by at this time. So Ra answers, 
uh, we find this indeterminate, but can respond that the number of those which have mastered outer catalyst completely is quite small. Um, most of those harvestable at this space-time nexus have partial control over the outer illusion and are using the outer catalyst to work upon some bias which is not yet in balance. So I find this interesting. Uh, because I feel like we are doing this. I don't know about you guys. So, um, and maybe not. I don't know. Maybe I'm way off base there. But I feel like we maybe have, at least I feel like I have some partial control over the outer illusion um, at times. Uh, and But I can tell you for sure that I am using all of these catalysts as a by, moment by moment to really connect to higher self and find the appropriate balance there. Um, and I recognize that there, there are still much issues that I need to work through. And these, oh, these catalysts that are put in front of us are to do exactly that, to get us to heal our traumas. So, uh, uh, for example, um, Margie, can I tell your story from the other day and the, the woman that you ran into at the store? I don't have to if you don't want. But, like, just think of, um, in the meantime, of, like, a, an ex popping up somewhere, you know, in a grocery store or something like that. And you're like, man, I was really triggered. I saw so-and-so today. Yada. So, so stop and think. Why did this person show back up? You know, what is it that I need to still feel about this particular relationship or this person? Is it showing me that I need to forgive them? Um, what's what memories are coming up whenever I saw this person? Those memories are exactly the memories that you have not healed yet or you need to look at them from a different perspective and once you have processed those memories you can say um oh my goodness now i see why i needed to learn that or i was i was not learning it at that time but now that i see the bigger picture and we're further in the future now and if that wouldn't have happened then i would not be the person i am today I am grateful for it. Thank you. I forgive that person. I forgive myself. And we're moving on. And I release all uh, emotional um, uh, issues with that particular uh, catalyst. So, um, somebody hurt today my boundaries, but I don't know who it was. Somebody with my garden. Oh, no. Yes, shenanigans with all the wise, massive catalysts. Oh, yeah. And, you know, there's uh, some of the Americans last night got a massive red pill. So we'll see how that goes. It's a catalyst for them. Fully me. I feel like that's fully me, too, Sisu. Or maybe I'm off, but I... For at least the last couple of years since I've been really studying in the law of one, I really 
have understood that a lot of these things are catalysts and I've taken it upon myself to um, learn from them. So, and maybe I haven't learned everything that I thought I had, but it always gets revisited later. It kind of goes in a spiral. So when we think we've sometimes healed something, it'll come up later and um, we have another opportunity to look at it from yet a different perspective. So. I think it's infinite. I think learning in that way is completely infinite. It doesn't stop. It sounds like it doesn't stop in fourth density. Uh, does not stop in fifth. Does not stop in sixth. So um, we've got some infinite learning to be doing. So and the end result is purely of the soul, I believe. Pure of um, emotional attachment to tra soul trauma. And you have to think, too, like we have trauma that we're healing that's genetic. Some of it isn't even ours, but it's in our genetic line. Um, you know, in my own family, I'm sure I've got some great depression trauma. I've got a lot of uh, uh, civil war trauma. I've got revolutionary trauma. I've got. Whatever trauma happened in England when that family was there, and then whatever trauma happened in Scandinavia that happened there. So we've got um, many, many, many family lines of of healing. And never forget, you've got two sides of this genetic uh, trauma that we are healing. So uh, not only my father's family, but my mother's side that goes from uh, French Canada you know, then to France that lived through the French Revolution. So I've got French Revolution things that I'm responsible for healing in American Revolution areas that I'm responsible for healing and whatever happened before then. So, um, it's uh, quite the tall order, I would say. And you find this in your families as well. So I have often what I do for like healing the ancestral line is just visualizing, um, you know, grandparents on one side and the other grandparents on the other and just and so on their parents and their parents, so on and so forth. And I just. Uh, you know, in my mind, I say something like, you know, I release all, all bonds of trauma from these lines. I heal you. Uh, uh, I forgive all. I forgive myself. Um, so every once in a while, I'll do an exercise like that for the uh the ancestral line so and i know it takes much more than that but that at least acknowledges it that there are things there and possibly a catalyst will come forward to allow me to heal that so so much to heal the genetic lines it's definitely important yeah hard to do and hard to recognize this i agree so i agree and sometimes we have no idea what our families have been through you know sometimes we just don't know um and that's hard too when we don't know we don't know our some of this trauma is coming from in stores. So that's why I'm a, a firm believer in um, uh, like uh, 
trauma healing for hypnosis for like trauma healing of course i would be careful about who it is that you decide you want to go to and research them and um you know watch uh, listen to reviews on them and th things like that to make sure that you're lining up with that person's energy so um especially we don't know where some of this this stuff is coming from and sometimes we, we it is our trauma it's just that we blocked it out consciously and we have no idea and that's hard to heal when you don't know where it's coming from so and you can ask too i mean there's several times that i've asked where is this coming from you know and then uh, usually it's right before i go to bed i'll ask that and then i'll have some kind of dream acknowledging or symbolically acknowledging where this where I should look in this so okay I do want to share this okay um so again, I, th I think they're talking about it's in the, 90, the session in the 90s. So I know they're discussing a lot of tarot in those sessions. So in the fourth archetype, the card shows a male whose body faces forward. I assume this indicates the experience of the mind will reach for catalyst. However, the face is changing. To the left, indicating that in reaching for catalyst, negative catalyst will be more apparent and its power and effect than the positive. Would you comment on this? So, and Ross says, uh, the archetype of, of the experience of the mind reaches not. But with firm authority, grasps what is given. The remaining what type of catalyst would entities following this past program? when they reach the level of programming their own catalyst. So, oh my gosh, I think it cut out again. Urgh. Okay, anyway, what I find interesting is that they're um, indicating that once somebody reaches a certain level of polarization, of course here they're discussing service to self, but I imagine this does exist in the those that are taking the service to others polarization you get to a certain uh, point of this then you are able to kind of almost program their, your own catalyst so they do answer though the negatively oriented entity will program for maximal separation from and control over those beings and conscious entities which it perceives as being the other uh being an other than the self so I mean, we already know this. I mean, we know the ones that are service to self are just in it for control over others and 
you know, the way I do things, it's I can control myself. I can't control anybody else. So when it comes to the kids, I mean, I can parent as well as I can. But I mean, um, I understand my six-year-old needs, you know, I can't just let him do whatever he wants. Because if it were up to him, he'd jump off of Mount Everest head first out of parachute. So, <laughs> I mean, but I don't think they're necessarily talking about uh, parenting. I think they are talking about grown adults trying to um, control uh, other grown adults in a very nefarious way as well as children. So and we're seeing and I get an explosion of this right now. And I know we've, we've discussed um, before about the dele delineation, which is the border between densities, basically. So once we reach like a, uh, the border between third and fourth, the, you know, the fever pitch, nonetheless, that we are going to see more negative things and it's almost like a massive purge. However, there are there are people that are going to expose themselves for what they are. They won't be able to hide it, I don't think. Um, and I'm I'm becoming to where I, I'm not scared to hide myself anymore either. So I know this is happening on the other side as well. I know it's happening for you guys just as much as it is for me. I'm not the fear is gone to show people who I really am. You know, I don't hide behind anything anymore, I guess is the point of it. So people are people are showing exactly who they are. And we see this in the depositions, you know. Um, we see this in political now. People aren't hiding it anymore. So if they're evil, then they are showing themselves evil right now. And I know that we haven't seen the end of it. But if they're actually good people, then they're showing themselves as good people. So, um, interesting stuff. I saw it. And this is happening on a personal level as well as a global level. So, but I've been all about showing people who I really am and the fact that attempted murders are not allowed on my property. <laughs> so, no, I, people can't hide like they used to. Things are coming to a level where um, I think fear is being expunged, but it's, it's happening on both polarizations. So, uh, but remember, Ross says there is a lot more of us that are service to others, at least taking that path, than there are um, service to self. I think that's as far as I got last night. Um, no, I went through this next one. I remember this from last night. So I'm going to copy and paste this one, too. Murder is where I draw the line. Yep, 100%. I apologize for that. <laughs> I do not apologize. Okay. Sisu um, says thinking of... All eye problems. So many people have eye problems. Distortions in the bodies and looking in their eyes. There is so much. I see clearly other. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, that's a good thought. Um, and I think I do think most of our issues with our bodies probably come from issues from the mind. Um, of course, I don't know. I mean, sometimes it may be, it might not be. Um, I am about half deaf, to be honest with you. Um, no lie, but my inner hearing is absolutely phenomenal. So I use the catalyst of not being able to hear very clearly 
and took it in and my inner hearing is absolutely great. So I can yell at myself all day long and I can hear it just fine. <laughs> so, um, I can yell good things, I can yell bad things. And, uh, but um, yeah, see, some of it is somatic, I think. And somatic means you are, uh, your mind is creating the physical problem. So somatic, uh, an example of something somatic would be um, uh, like someone who is an EMPT. I will use that example. They have what's called phantom pains. It's the mind actually creating the pain. There's no, there's nothing there to hurt, but the mind uh, is, to, our mind is so used to it being there. So it creates this phantom pain. So, um, no, actually the hearing is not from the car accident. So I was born with the cleft lip and a cleft palate. So when that happens, I mean, you've got sinus issues. You've got ear canal issues because nothing is, is routed the way that someone without that would have. So I've had multiple surgeries uh, on my ear starting it and my nose and all of that starting at about six weeks old till I was about like uh, 10 or 11. So, um, and they, I mean, they did tympanoplasties. They've done all kinds of things, which is where they take like cartilage behind your ear and place it over your eardrum to kind of heal that a little bit. I mean, they've done that. So my hearing is probably better than what it could have been, I guess. Uh, definitely a catalyst for sure. I mean, I've had it since birth basically so i really haven't known any different i don't know what it's like to be um distracted by noise i guess is what you want to say distracted by outside noise doesn't necessarily happen with me i can drown out a lot of things in my external environment um that's a good thing and it's a bad thing so there's got to be a balance with that but yeah a perfect catalyst to be able to enhance that inner hearing. And you know, like uh, when somebody goes blind um, or somebody is born blind, it doesn't have to be at birth. It doesn't have to be early in life. If I've known, I've known people and read about people that once that happens or if they're born with it, their inner sight is absolutely phenomenal. It's like they um, enhance another sense because that sense is not functioning to a uh, proper level so it's interesting the way that the body compensates the spirit and, or the mind compensates when the senses are not there so i will say though i mean my my sense of touch is a little enhanced too which can be negative um at least i perceive as negative because Older in life, I, you know, developed fibromyalgia, which, you know, I've got her under control right now, but I just have very sensitive skin. So instead of having sensitive ears, I have sensitive skin. Yep. Uh, Margie says, if I didn't have vertigo migraines, I would probably be discussing love, one or meditating. I'd probably have a nine to five job. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So you can look at the vertigo and the migraines as a catalyst for your internal work. And 
learning and teaching the law of one. There is another, oh my goodness, I don't know why I didn't copy and paste this one. Or maybe I did. There was a place in the law of one that I read um, where it says basically that it's very hard to do your internal work when someone is in those kinds of conditions. And I can't remember the way that they were, which would be the conditions I'm talking about are a nine to five job. It is extremely hard to do your inner work. So sometimes life gives us a catalyst to make it available to us to do our inner work if we are on that path. Um, but anyway, you know, we it's up to us to take that as a catalyst and choose to do the inner work. I mean, I, I myself could have went back to my nine to five after I healed, but I, I'm like, no, nope. once I got a taste of uh, doing the inner work and trying to heal myself spiritually, mentally and physically, I just can't. I'm good because I know once I go back, it's all going to be my progress is going to be for nothing. So. Um, yeah, the storm wouldn't be either if he wasn't in that condition. So, like the flowers, it is an important reminder. Yeah, and I remind myself of that very often. Now, if things wouldn't have gone the way they have for me, I'd still be. And I didn't have just a nine to five job. I mean, I had like a nine to nine job and a lot of weekends. <laughs> and there was no time to do inner work. But yet again, my work was very service to others oriented. I was a hospice nurse, so and I learned uh, a great deal, a great deal about serving others and helping others in those particular situations and helping the family. And I learned very, very good things doing what I did. But it was time for me to also um, put the attention on healing myself as well and take all the knowledge that I learned in those situations and use them on myself. So gave me the, the opportunity to do so and I've, I've taken it. So yeah. Major surgery on my ear. Yeah. And it didn't stop for me either. I mean, I, remember I was about in my early twenties. I had had like a, a benign tumor pop up on the upside of my ear and they actually had to take out part of my it cut out for me again but um anyway so as i was saying it didn't really stop for me either actually in my early 20s i had part of my uh one of my salivary glands removed because i had had a, a growth on there so uh, lots of catalysts to choose from, <laughs> for sure. Uh, the ear is also important for communication. Being tendered and communication is difficult. And yes, it forces to be more on the inside, correct? And, you know, I see this in autistic children. You know, I have an autistic son. He's 17. So he's older, but I see it. You know, they are so internal. And they understand the world in a completely different way than we do. And but they are so internal. They're in their own little world a lot of times. 
and you gotta you gotta wonder what frequency they're working off of so um in fact they they you know there of course there has to be a balance between your inner world and your outer world you know it can't be 100 percent internal at this moment in time there are still physical catalysts that we need to uh pay uh, you know work on and pay attention to so in the physical so outward world so um let's see and i can be self-conscious about the hearing thing too sometimes i notice that in myself and you know like the other day uh, i had to have somebody repeat themselves like three times and i'm like man i'm really annoying this person like i i had to apologize and you know i mean i see that it can be frustration for somebody else just as much as it is for me so um, but for somebody that gets frustrated that somebody else can't hear, they need to understand that it's just as frustrating for them too. So I think it's a learning thing, um, understanding thing. They weren't frustrated by any means. I'm just, it has, it's happened in the past, but this particular situation, they didn't, right. Um, okay. Did I ever copy and paste the next one? No, I did not. Here we go. It's kind of wordy, but I mean, I will try to get through this as much as we can. And I will just go ahead and say that'll probably be the last one that we go over at least today because it's already 4.30, guys. Um, but it's session 54, uh, question 17, I would like then to trace the evolution of a catalyst upon the mind-body-spirit complex and how it comes to use and is fully used to create this tuning. I assume the sub-logos, which they're talking about the sun, that formed our tiny part of the creation using the intelligence of the logos, uh, which is, you know, prime creator, of which it is a part provides shall i say the base catalyst that will act upon mind body mind body spirit i'm sorry mind body complexes and mind body spirit complexes before they reach the state of development where they can begin to program their own catalyst is this correct they ask um and ross says partially correct so <clears throat> The sub-logos offers the catalyst at the lower levels of energy, okay? The first triad, these have to do with the survival of the physical complex. So food, uh, shelter, or love, you know, love is part of a survival need for us. The higher centers gain catalyst from the biases or distortions of the mind-body-spirit complex itself in response to all random and directed experiences, okay? Thus, the less developed entity will perceive the catalyst about it in terms of survival of the complex, the physical complex, with the distortions that are preferred. So it's on an individual basis. Sub-Logos, I believe, is basically the center of our solar system. It's a, uh, which is the sun, is, is the way that I understand it. So, 
because we have like a central sign, which would be uh, the logos. Logos means creator in the way that I understand it. I mean, you guys can perceive it uh, and understand it however you choose to. But a sub logos would be the sun, which would mean a sub sub logos is the earth. A sub 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 logos is ourselves. Um, okay. The more conscious entity being conscious of the catalytic process will begin to transform the catalyst offered by the sub logos into catalyst which may act upon the higher energy next side. And I just had something come in while reading it that might give you guys some more understanding on the sub logos. So sub logos, if we consider it our sun. Um, then we can see exactly how all a lot of these upheavals happen during a time we have solar flares. So when we get these CMEs and energy from the sun, that's when things get upheavaled and somewhat chaotic globally and personally, and everybody starts acting somewhat just disoriented and not thinking correctly and making odd decisions and well because the energy from the sun is giving you an opportunity to maybe feel those and respond appropriately and if you're aware of the catalytic process then you're able to kind of um, navigate this a little bit bigger and we are this group in particular as well as other groups that pay attention to the solar activity um we're able to see the correspondence between when we get these solar flares um, and energy from the sun we're able to correlate these with the upheavals in our lives and we're able to kind of um see the world a little bit differently understand exactly what's going on that we are being offered these catalysts from the sub logos which is the sun so i hope that kind of adds a little bit more um you know, uh, clarity there. Okay. Uh, they will begin when you're being conscious of the catalytic process. We'll begin to transform the catalyst offered by the sublogos into catalyst, which may act upon the higher energy nexi. Thus, the sublogos uh, can offer only a basic skeleton, shall we say, of catalyst. So. The sublogos is offering a basic outline of this catalyst. So the muscles and flesh having to do with, shall we say, survival of wisdom, love, compassion, and service. So flesh and meat are our armor. Um, armor would have to do with survival, especially when somebody's throwing arrows at you or something. Uh, let's see. And service brought by, brought about by the action of the mind-body-spirit complex on basic catalysts, as to create more a more complex catalyst, which may in turn be used to form distortions within these higher energy centers. Uh, the more advanced the entity, the more tenuous the connection between the sublogos and the perceived catalyst until finally all catalyst is chosen, generated and manufactured by the self for the self. Okay. So 
it's interesting once we kind of able to take some of these catalysts by the reins and choose to turn them into um, either positive things or negative things i mean we do have free will we can turn it into a negative thing if we choose i guess but i choose okay Which belong to this is central sun or the galactic central sun, and I don't know the difference to be honest with you. I see that language thrown around quite a bit, and I, I personally, I have to admit, I don't know the difference between the central sun or the galactic central sun. I'm not sure exactly which energy centers um, are being discussed. I just assume it was it's the center of the galaxy. Let's take a drink. Okay. The mind of the galaxy. That's probably a better um definite. Yeah, logos is the mind of the galaxy. Yep. Thank you, Storm, for synchronistically putting that up there at the same time. <laughs> All right, I'm going to stop the recording. Oh, if it'll let me. Okay, I'm just working on stopping the recording. We have a cosmic web connecting all of the sub logo sons. Yes. Okay, so stopping recording.